Welcome back to The Scoreboard. I'm your host, Terrence Holden, here with my co-host, Nolan Ezzett and Crash Collier. How are you guys feeling today? Pretty good. Pretty good so far. Pretty good. It's a Friday. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. All right. Well, something that we'll complain about later is USC men's basketball. Oh, but gosh. first, I think we should look forward to the 2024 football season, USC's first year in the Big Ten. And guys, we have some predictions of who will be a breakout player for the USC offense. Who wants to start? I can go first. I'm going to go with uh, Makai Lemon. And the reason I'm taking him is I just remember going to the Holiday Bowl. A lot of, you know, main players were sitting out. So, like, Brendan Rice, Mario Williams had entered the transfer portal. Dorian Singer was gone. So, a lot of ga- so that created a lot of opportunity for those freshman receivers to get playing time that they weren't really getting in the back half of the season as the games got tighter and oftentimes were turning into losses. So, But Lemon absolutely shined in the Holiday Bowl, and I think because of that, he's going to ride that momentum into 2024, and I think he's going to probably be one of Miller Moss's top targets, and I think he's got a big shot to potentially be a wide, maybe like one of those top receivers. Yeah, Crash, I think you're onto something there with the rookie wide receivers, especially with Taj Washington and, uh, and Brennan Rice. You know, obviously entering the draft, but uh, Crash, you know, I, I think there's one guy that might overtake him. I think that's Deuce Robinson. He's got the most potential of anyone on this roster, I think, really highly recruited out of high school. And one thing that I think Caleb likes from him is that he's a really big playmaker. You can say whatever you want about Deuce Robinson and that he didn't produce that much last season because it's true, right? I mean, he had 16 catches all season long. Well, holiday Lemon didn't Bowl. even have that much until the Holiday Bowl. That's so. true. Fair enough. Uh, but Deuce Robinson didn't even really have a great Holiday Bowl performance except for his 44-yard touchdown catch. And that's the thing that I think is going to put him over the edge in this offense is that he's a playmaker. He's a deep threat, averaging 22 yards a reception last season. Sure, it's only on 16 catches, but I think that's something that Caleb Williams is going to love to have. You mean Miller or Miller Moss? Uh, excuse Miller me, Moss, Miller yeah. Moss, yes. Caleb's gone. Yes, <laughs> Caleb is also gone. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, what you're saying, but although I mean, I guess one thing, I'm not saying this is going to, you know, put Deuce at a disadvantage. Deuce is right now playing baseball all spring. Lemon's going to be getting way more reps on the practice field that's for football. True. That's I'm true. not saying that Deuce can't be it, but I'm just saying I'm also factoring the that, you know, Robinson is right now, you know, locked into baseball. That's true. Lemon's getting in more reps, but I think Deuce is also better talent. So it kind of just comes down to who's better prepared next season. I guess we will see who you got, Terrence. Guys, I'm going to take another receiver. I'm going to take another freshman wide receiver, Jacoby Lane. I think that this guy actually has the most potential out of all of them. I know Deuce Robinson, obviously, he has that 6'5", 6'6", frame. Jacoby Lane, 6'4". I think he has incredible athleticism for his size. He made some huge plays in the Holiday Bowl. I really think this guy is going to be wide receiver one next year. I think guys like Zachariah Branch, Makai Lemon, and Deuce Robinson, all phenomenal players. But I think Jacoby Lane overtakes all of them. And then I'm going to throw, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw in another guy just so we can have a little bit of um, diversity in who we choose, not just receivers. I'm going to choose the freshman defensive lineman Braylon Shelby. He showed a lot of potential in uh, his freshman year, and I really think in the uh, Danton Lynn and Eric Henderson led defensive line. He could be a monster. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you there, Terrence. I mean, he was, he was named the Holiday Bowl defensive player of the game, I think, right? Was that him or was that someone else? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. remember seeing that, but he had a good game from I what th- I remember. I think so I, it might have been him, but that. anyway, but regardless, still, yeah, like I think a lot of those guys, both on offense and defense, that played in the Holiday Bowl, they wanted to be there, whether they were, they were seniors playing their last game in a Trojan uniform or 
freshmen trying to, you know, prove that they belong and that they should be the ones getting the primary reps next year on the field in the Big Ten. So I think a lot of the guys who we all chose, because they got to play in that Holiday Bowl, they went into it very motivated. And I think that shows, and they're trying to just show, we're good enough to play, we belong. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talent that they wanted to prove, and I think obviously offensively there's a lot of guys leaving, which makes a lot of room for new guys. And defensively, not as many guys leaving, but you got a whole new coaching staff. It's really anyone's game. you got to fight for your spot on that team. I agree. The future for USC football I think is going to be fun, underrated a little bit, but let's talk about something a little bit more sad and depressing. Let's talk about the USC men's basketball team who, since we last recorded, have suffered two losses now on a six, is it six or five? Six-game six slide. Uh, sit at the bottom of the Pac-12, sole possession, the record of 8-13. and 13. Let's talk about, the, uh, in my opinion, the worst loss, the UCLA lost a crosstown rival, losing 50-65 to 65 at home at Galen Center. That was terrible, but what a bad game. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you got fans lining up, students lining up all day early, me being very much one of them. <laughs> How early were you? How, like 9.15. Oh, so my. Was, you were know you what? the first one in line? Fourth. Fourth? Really? Yeah, so people got there before 9. And j- just to add, 9 a.m. you waited, and the tip-off was at 5 p.m. Yeah. Just, I mean, so, they just, let you yeah. in at, and they let you in at 3.30, though, so it's you kind of can, you know, take away 90 minutes and doesn't make it as bad. I've sat through worse. I'll put it at that. I mean, longer times. But, yeah, with this one, it was just tough because you have everyone hyped to be there and the Trojans just don't show up. Like, it was just a disappointing game. UCLA pretty much controlled it from start to finish. Like, they were just getting – Trojans were getting pushed around. Oziah Sellers being the lone Trojan to get into double digits with 10 points and Boogie Ellis not even really contributing at all after his initial – after scoring eight of the first 10 points. So it's disappointing all around. Gosh, yeah, it was a horrible game. You know, I did not have to sit through the pain after lining up at nine in the morning. You know, I got there around two or three um, and a friend was holding my spot. So for part of it. So I, uh, you know, I, I I was able to only wait for two or three hours. I barely even got in, though. Um, but sitting in the upper bowl after watching basically every single Trojan, it seemed like they just didn't care towards the end of the game. Isaiah Sellers, of course, breaking double digits. I think he, I don't think he missed a single shot from the field. And then Kobe Johnson also had a pretty good performance offensively. And of course, defensively, he's always one of the better guys. But looking at everyone else, just the shooting really wasn't good. But was so what was so fascinating to me was that, you know, as bad as the shooting percentage was for the Trojans, it was 35%. Um, the three-point percentage was actually pretty good, 46%. And that was a little bit better than... UCLA. UCLA also shot 35% from the field, and they shot 43% from three. So how in the world did they lose by 15 points? It's because UCLA had double the number of offensive rebounds. USC cannot grab a rebound to save their life. That's why UCLA is putting up, like, an additional 10 shots that game. Like, how in the world are you supposed to win? Well, actually, I think that goes to something if we talk about the next game against Oregon that they lost last night. That was something Enfield just blatantly called out his big men for he just called him like he said something like what like we're not rebounding we're not, they don't want to be there they want to rebound something yeah along those and lines. i mean just night after night you're just seeing the trojans just getting completely outbodied on the boards and that's killing them no matter what enfield's trying to do here whether that's start multiple big guys he's like changing the lineup every night now at this point especially with I, collier out mm-hmm. like dj rodman came off the bench like yeah, really the only consistent starters 
seem to be right now when they're healthy are Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis. Yeah, well, I wasn't, I don't know if I'm going to call myself lucky for not going to that game because that was a bad game. But uh, I got there around 2.15, 2.30. My friends and I walked around and realized that the line was around the corner down. Is that Flower Street back there? Yeah. Flower, yeah. Flower uh, down the line, went down, then back towards the Jimmy John's and back on the Figueroa. And we realized, okay, yeah, we're not getting in this game. So we left and um, just watched it their place. But um, yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't wait that long for that, though. Because I also don't think I, we wouldn't have gotten in, I don't believe. Probably not. Um, but yeah, it was such a bad game. I mean, they just got out rebounded. Like, it looks like no one wants to be there. Their scoring was bad. That was a bad offensive game by both teams. I mean, the USC defense isn't bad, but, like, 65-50 to 50 is a low-scoring game. It was just an ugly game. Yeah. And that's just kind of been the story of this, you know, ever since they hit conference play. And you go back to when you think that kind of the turning point of when it, they lost all their momentum, but it just seems like conference play, they've just been stuck, like, other than those two wins against Stanford and Cal, they haven't, they've been struggling against everybody. Yeah, and it's not like the Pac-12 is like particularly good like it is in football. The Pac-12 is a bad conference in basketball. It is maybe at most three to four March Madness teams. That's I mean, kind of what the bracketology yeah, is saying. Yeah, like Arizona, I think they'll probably— Arizona's a lock. Arizona's top five in. seed unless they like fall apart. Oregon, fringe 11, Colorado, maybe a play-in team. Then maybe Utah, May- too. Maybe Wazoo or Utah. Yeah. Like, it's not a good conference, and not. it's just so like heart not heartfelt, sickening that the Trojans are eight and thirteen and two and eight in conference play. Especially after such a, it wasn't a great season last year, but it was very good, well was a above five hundred yeah. with what I see as a worse lineup. Like, how in the world can that team be better than this team right now? Obviously, Collier being hurt has something to do with it, but still. For sure, but I just want to go back to a point you made last week, Terrence, with his, and you kind of posed the question, were Drew Peterson, Reese Dixon Waters, and Trey White are different, the dif- the team's difference makers? Uh, apparently. I mean, I don't know. I think we should talk more about, like, the big men. And I just feel like, was, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I just feel like the big men are just, they're not up to standard because Joshua Morgan and... Vince Iwuchuku, yeah, they get some cool blocks every once in a while, but they can't play regular defense. They just can't. I, I like Josh Morgan. I, I see what you're saying. Vince especially is just in general not a great defender. At least Josh Morgan like is a good defender in some way. Vince really is just offensive, and he hasn't even done that much offensively. I, I really think we got to start playing Kajani Wright more. I mean, he is so He's much bigger physical, and yeah. beefier than them. And, you know, when when the, when the reason why UCLA is just doubling the number of offensive boards is USC, it just comes down to the fact that you've got you've got Vince down there who's a literal twig. He's a Kevin Durant who can't shoot, and you've got him. You yeah, know, he only on, had one like rebound that. against UCLA. Yeah, I mean, that, that's and just— And then he had only—and did have four against Oregon, but still. Not, not enough. That's not enough not for him to 7-1. The number yeah. of rebounds isn't what's important, though. What's important is the number of rebounds he gave up. And I yeah. wish that was a stat, but if that was a stat, he would be at the top of that list. I also another big man. I, I Arrington Page. He barely played against UCLA. He showed a lot of like energy and kind of fire against Oregon. I don't think he got a lot of rebounds for someone who's like six ten, but he should. He's an out. He can uh, hurt you from the outside as well, and he's like very athletic. I wish he could get some more minutes. Yeah, well, it's just been you know. 
been a tough year. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see what Enfield decides to do tomorrow against Oregon State. And I think I would not be. I bet there's probably going to be at least two. Uh, two of the starters aren't. It's going to be different. At least two of the starters is going to be my prediction based on just how everything is going. I'm not sure who uh, Enfield's going to pull. Not start, but it seems like it. There's going to be some sort of change to the lineup. It seems like that's kind of what he's doing, and at this point, because he's trying to find some sort of momentum. I agree. How do you, how do you change that much, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, you're not going to take out Boogie. You're probably not going to take out Kobe. I mean, Sellers. Ellis and Johnson are probably staying. So, Maybe one guy, but I still. could see Sellers staying. He's been playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, he'll stay. Maybe they like you know don't have like, like one of the big men. Maybe yeah. Josh Morgan probably. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right, but let's first before we talk about you know Oregon State, let's talk about USC's seventy-eight to sixty-nine loss to Oregon Thursday night at Galen Center. Um, this game, it, they showed a lot of promise in the first half. I will be honest, they looked a lot better in the first half, and then everything fell apart in the second. Yeah, well, yeah, I was. I remember I was talking with some people at halftime, saying, "All right, I think we can do this. We're not too far out of this." But then just. We just can't let up, you know, another 46 give up. They basically can't give up 46 points again, which to their credit, they didn't. But they also didn't show up, didn't show up to the same extent themselves other than that last second, that last push in the final 90 seconds when you're down 17. It's too little too late. And then they were even when they did try, they kind of were doing some inexplicable things like why were they going for? two with that point or just you know taking too long to fire off threes and when they did they just missed them all yeah it's just too little too late like you can i don't know the trojans have just not gotten it done in the first half it feels like they put themselves in situations where it's really hard to come back from and this is just another one of those it's it's a really bad year to be a trojan fan in many ways it it just feels like this losing streak is never going to end it feels like we're out mat like it feels like going into the game you got a chance and once you know five minutes in the game it just feels like you're completely outmatched in every way i don't know yeah. it's bad i mean they they showed a lot of promise last night and at the same time the second half was so so bad it's just the offense that andy enfield runs it just looks no one gets open ever and because you can't tell me oregon's defense is like that stuffing or stifling i guess you could say where like no one is ever getting open because they were spending 30 seconds on the shot clock every time to get a bad shot. It's just, I don't understand it. It's just trying to get like ISOs with guys who probably shouldn't be get I mean, maybe Boogie Ellis, you can argue, although the season he's been having, I don't know if I'd put him in that position anymore. Fine so, at best, yeah. You got you gotta run more creative offenses. I agree. You got you gotta have more passing. The assist numbers has got have gotta go up. You can't just be running this like solo paced offense when you don't even have great offensive players, I, I would say, when yeah. Collier's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even see this until I'm looking at this now. Kobe Johnson, one for nine from the field, 0 for six from three. When one thing, Crash, we were talking about this. When you need a three pointer, I don't understand why Harrison Hornery wasn't in. Yeah. Late in the game. That's That's a big man. People I was talking next to were wondering why was Hornery not playing? Is is he out with some sort of with an undisclosed injury? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, usually it's like they're pretty open about that stuff. And it just seems like yeah, why didn't Hornery play? Like, honestly, why didn't he start last night? Like, they could have used him in the line. They could have used him in the starting line. But when he starts, he usually does pretty well. Yeah, he's usually pretty decent. Um, hasn't shot phenomenal from three this year, but he he gives you that threat, which I think the Trojans really needed last night. Absolutely, I agree with you there. 
All right, and then looking forward, so this team plays. We're going to briefly touch on how they are taking on Oregon State this Saturday uh, in Galen Center. They lost to Oregon State earlier in the year, well, technically last year, um, at uh, Gill Coliseum where they were dominated 70-86. to 86. Um, Do we have any hope for this game? I'm... I think it's tough to be hopeful. That said, if you're trying to be optimistic, this is a must-win game. This is a game you can't, you should at least have a fighting chance to win and that you need to win if you want to, you know, turn your season around. Because right now, this is where you have to. You're halfway through conference play. You have 10 more games left in the season. Tomorrow night is the game the Trojans need a win to get their season back on track or or at least have any hope of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I think there's a really good shot, and it feels like I've been saying this for, like, every game, just looking at kind of the lineups. You know, it looks like the Trojans always outmatch most opponents, but Oregon State, obviously, you know, a pretty good team. They are above 500. USC is well below 500. So statistically speaking, it doesn't seem like there should be much hope, but for me, I, I just got to stick to the fact that I really think the root of all problems is the fact that it's not even the shooting. It's just the fact that the Trojans get bullied in the paint. And looking at Oregon State's, you know, most important big, he, he's kind of the rebound leader, Michael Rattage. He is 6'9", 220. Not that big, a little bit scrawny. And as long as, you know, he's not getting five putbacks every half, I really, and I, and I don't think that we're going to allow that because he's not that big. And that's been the problem for, you know, the Trojans in the last few weeks. So, I, I think as long as you can hold them, as long as you can prevent them from just bullying you in the paint, I think the Trojans can outshoot them, and I think they're still a good defensive team, and I think they can take down Oregon State. Obviously, easier said than done, though. Agreed with you there. And I guess also one per- player the Trojans need to watch out for is Jordan Pope. It was cru- it was really big for the Beavers that Wayne Tinkle was able to retain him over the offseason when he could have easily left last year after the after his stellar freshman campaign. But he chose to stick around, and he's still a great player. He's a great pickup for the Beavers, and USC's got to watch out for him because if they don't contain Pope, it's he could be you know raining threes all night. He's shooting forty six percent on the year, like that is like pretty solid. Like seventeen, he's averaging seventeen point six points a game. So Trojans need to watch out for Pope. That's that's my like key player. The Trojans need to watch out for. All right, well. Trojans taking on uh, Oregon State at Galen Center tomorrow uh, tomorrow at 4 p.m. Hopefully they can get back into the win column, stop this six-game losing streak. But let's talk about another USC basketball team that has not been great over its past four or five games, the USC women's basketball team who split their series versus the Apple <clears throat> excuse me versus the Apple State teams, beating Washington State on fr- last Friday and Washington and losing to Washington on Sunday. Yeah, I think what's showing is Trojan, I mean, and that's just showing how good the Pac-12, the women's, Pac-12 women's basketball is. I mean, Washington State made a big push there at the end to kind of close the deficit. They were down, I think, over like 15 or something against the uh, Trojans going to halftime, but closed the deficit. And I was personally getting a little worried there at the end, like, oh, no, no, is this like going to be, you know another game where they cough up a big lead, like ha- what happened against UCLA, but they're fortunately they were able to hold on. However, it just showed with Washington, they just didn't quite show up. And I think they just had a few too many turnovers. Like they had, I think 11 turnovers against the Huskies and it just, they never really could find their momentum. Like they're behind most of the game and it kind of cost them. Because, yeah. 
and it kind of you know it just shows like you have to be able to ride some momentum and they just weren't able to do that yeah for the men's and women's teams the narratives are so different for the men's team it just feels like the fact that you know the trojans are well below 500 in such a weak conference just shows truly how dysfunctional they've been versus for the women's team the fact that they have been getting a few losses just shows how good their competition is because you look at that women's team you know they're good you've got juju watkins and you know she has had her efficiency problems recently but but still she's obviously a great player the trojan team overall is very good but the trojans i i mean you know yes the competition is great but they've lost three out of their last four on this women's team and i i would and a lot of those games were very close two of those three losses were it looks like four point games or, or less they they do need to you know be able to handle that pressure in the fourth quarter and ultimately take the lead i think my part of the problem is i think this is one of my few critiques of lindsey gottlieb is that while i think she's a really good coach she seems to really stick to like five or six five to seven players who you know once they she they find their groove she kind of sticks with them and that results in them getting like really tired and you can kind of like see it and that's like they're struggling to keep up so i think that's just something that can hurt them down the stretch as you know everyone's getting tired i think so because of that i think they should probably try to rely on a few more players during the game yeah, I mean, I think Juju Watkins is just getting tired. A lot of the time, you know, yeah. her, her first half performances are great. Her efficiency numbers by the end of the game are not good. You know, part of this goes to Pac-12 play and, you know, how good defenses are. But in the eight Pac-12 games that she's played in, she has shot 40% or more from the field once. From three-point range, she has shot 30% or more once. So maybe it's poor decision-making or maybe, and this is what I think it is, she needs to be subbed out a little more than she is right now. She can't be playing 38 minutes like she did against Washington. You yeah. can't have that happen. And then that also goes for most four of the other five starters. Other than Taylor Bigby, everyone else, Ram Marshall, Watkins, Caleb Padilla, and Mackenzie Forbes, they all played over 30 minutes against UW. So it just shows, like, and even Taylor Bigby's 24 minutes is significantly higher than Caitlin Davis's 16, who had the most minutes off the bench of anyone. Yeah, I mean, a freshman playing 40 minutes a game, nearly 40 minutes a game, is in, pretty insane. I mean, Juju's a phenomenal player, but her efficiency really has taken a turn for the worse since it's gotten to Pac-12 play. Um, but, I mean, the Pac-12, and, you know, next game, Stanford, number four in the country. Last season, the Trojans upset uh, Stanford in Galen Center, um, do we think we can, they can do it again? It's, it is at Stanford, but do, you, do we think they can do it again? I think they definitely have a chance, for sure. This is a way better USC team than the one that the Cardinal faced last year. However, you also got to consider the Cardinal did beat the Trojans on the road last year, and the teams met up about a month after that upset. So I think it's going to be a close battle, but it's still going to be one that's, you know, it's going to be really tough for the Trojans, and they, you know, They've had some tough losses, and I think it's just going to show. But I think they got a chance to stay in it, but it's going to be a long, hard-fought match, especially if Gottlieb works four or five starters, makes her starters play over 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the Trojans have a chance, but at the end of the day, you know, you can say what you want about the upset last year. Still, like, Stanford is obviously the better team this year, and they've also been on a roll. They've won their last four games. USC has lost three out of their last five. I think it just comes down to the fact that you got to rely on your best players. You you got to have you got to make sure Juju Watkins has a good game. But then we're kind of in that dichotomy of well, do you just feed her the ball and have her shoot thirty shots because you need her to, you know, drop forty points, 
or do you do exactly what we were just saying and sub her out a little bit? And I think the latter is what you got to do. I think you got to trust some of your role players. I think you got to let, you know, Forbes be the number one in there at times. You know, you take Watkins out, you kind of rotate them, cycle them in and allow, you know, your seventh, eighth woman, I guess, uh, you know, come in and, you know, ho hope that they can kind of, you know, bring the team on a tear. Yeah. And Gottlieb's got a good, talented bench. She's got Caitlin Davis, who's proven to be really good. Clarice Akunwafo, who fills in for Marshall. Malia Samuels, Roxanne McCallow, Dominique Darius, and Kayla Williams, who's seen her minutes decrease significantly due to the influx of talent that Gottlieb brought in last this offseason. So she's definitely got capable playmakers on her bench. She should, I think she should rely on them a little more. Yeah, I mean, what's really going to be hard uh, in stopping this Stanford team is they have two just forwards who have dominated in Kiki Iriafin and Cameron Brink. Um, both averaging uh, 17 plus, both averaging double digit rebounds. They're both phenomenal players, and I think stopping them down low is going to be really hard for the Trojans. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This is like Tara Von Devere has year after year just brings in talented players. Has one of the most talented rosters in the country. There's a she's the sorry she's the most winning coach. Yeah, in NCAA most winning. History now, yeah, right? in all, all yeah. basketball. Yeah, yeah I even get to that. But yeah, like year after year, she just brings in talent. And there's a reason the Stanford Cardinal is the number four team in the country with a 19 and two record. Yeah, it'll be a tough matchup. I do think the Trojans can take them down. I can. I could see a Juju. A vintage, vintage, she's a freshman, 30-point uh, bomb from Juju Watkins. 30, you maybe a triple-double. Has she done that this year? I don't think so. I don't believe so. But at least a double-double. Um, I could see it. Um, that's tonight. Oh, wait, what time is it? They 7 later p.m. 7 p.m. Thank you, Crash, um, to, at Stanford. So it's going to be a difficult environment, but I think the Trojans can get it done. Yeah, I think on any given night playing any team, this Trojan team can take down anyone. It's just a matter of will you know Gottlieb play her cards right. And also, there's obviously a little bit of luck involved when you're playing the number four team. So will that luck come in, and will Gottlieb you know really have an amazing coaching performance? Could happen. We'll see. All right, and then moving on to the USC men's volleyball team, who last uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, uh, two days ago, lost at number 19 UC San Diego two to three. However, has a chance to revenge tonight at Galen Center where they take on UC San Diego again at 7 p.m. Crash, what did you see at that UC San Diego game that looked good from them? I think what looked good was just they, you know, they're reliant. They're good at, you know, getting everyone involved. I mean, you got Dylan Klein, 15 kills, Jack Duker, 11 kills, Wesley Smith, Kyle Paulson having nine and eight kills respectively each. So you're seeing them doing a really good job under, you know, freshman setter who, by the way, just enrolled this, like at the, in January. Like he skipped his final semester of high school. So not quite what London Weejay did with the women's team skipping her whole senior year. But still, pretty damn impressive considering you don't usually see, especially on the guys' side of volleyball, them going and finishing their club seasons and enrolling, you know, in the fall like most students do. So you're just seeing Blanchett doing a great job spreading the ball. I mean, he had 40 assists, and they're doing a great job spreading the ball around. But I think it's just, you know, this UCSD team's good. I played with three of the guys on that team. That My team, like, we won the national championship our senior year. So it's like for clubs. So that's a good team they face, but they just, you know, they just got to, you know, clean up the mistakes a little bit. And, like, I think if they can, you know, just do a little bit better, they can – they got a shot to beat him. I mean, when it goes to five, anything can happen. That was a tight fifth set, too. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Crash, you said you played with three of the guys at UCSD, so maybe, you know, give us help, a scouting help out the report. men's team yeah. and give, 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 give a little scouting report. So I haven't really been following them too closely, I'll say that, but still, like, they're all, like, really good. I mean, they play well. I mean, they were all, like, I think th- two of the three guys that I played with made the all-tournament team for our junior nationals that year. So that just shows, like, how good they are. Gabe Dyer, the setter, I don't know if he's playing. He might. And then Luke Chandler, the opposite. They both made all the all-team. And then Peter Selcho is a beast in the middle when he plays. So those are the three guys I know about. Like I said, I don't know. Too, I haven't been following that team too closely, but and I wasn't at that game on Wednesday since it was in La Jolla. But based on what I just do know about those guys from my experience playing with them, they are dogs. They they work incredibly hard, and they don't they don't go down without a fight. All right. Well, hopefully the men's volleyball team can re, uh, can get their revenge tonight at Galen Center. Uh, that's going to do it for us today at the scoreboard. Thank you for listening, and have a good weekend.